Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. We could, we could pray and we could dismiss and we could go home knowing that we've had church this morning, right? Man, how many of you are glad you came to church this morning? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's how I feel this morning. And, and hopefully the fast has been going well for you. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got a week left, and so for those of you that are, are fasting, those of you that are fasting food, those of you that are fasting social media, uh, TV, whatever the case may be, uh, we're in that home stretch. We just encourage you to, to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize and, uh, and continue putting one foot in front of the other. We're almost there, and Converge is this weekend. If you haven't registered, listen, I, I know that... Uh, oftentimes we get up here and whether it's a woman's event or, you know, different things, all access, we encourage you, you know, register, 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 register. And it, it would, it, it's very easy for that to go in one ear and out the other. And for, for you, I understand it like, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be there. And for me, I'm saying, Register. Because we do have, we do have uh, kids ministry, so the kids will have a service on Friday night. We just want to make sure that we're prepared for, uh, for your children, that we can minister effectively to them. And so just to give us an idea how many, how many little ones are going to be with us on Friday, please, if you have the, the Dream City Omaha app, just open the app, go to the events, Converge should be right there on the front page. You can register super quick, super easy. Even if you're not sure, register. Even if you're like, well, I got to move some stuff, register and then move the stuff around. Saturday, we don't have childcare. And I know that, that for some of you with kids, that's going to that's gonna be, uh, could potentially be an obstacle. Would just ask, do everything that you can. And I'm not asking this for my sake. I'm asking this for your sake. I'm asking this for the sake of what God is wanting to do in your life during this time. I believe it's going to be life-changing and, and really going to, to lay a foundation for what God is wanting to do in us and through us in 2023. So do, do everything you can. Do whatever you, you have to do. Uh, make sure that you're a part of Converge and get registered for that. And go Niners. Just, I had to, I had to say it. Um, this morning, before we get into the word, those of you that are just joining us, laughter prepares the brain for learning. And so we, we, we at Dream City, we start, before we get into the word, we start with a joke just to laugh and get those, those neurons firing. And, and so this morning, uh, what, do you, what do you get when the sunrise bends over? What do you get when the sunrise bends over? The crack of dawn. Maybe too far, I don't know. We'll see how many emails I get this week that will determine whether or not that joke gets used again 
or not. Matthew chapter 28, it's the same place we started last week. Those of you that were with us, we talked about being a disciple because our theme for this year, what God is, is challenging us in is to be one and reach one. Be a disciple who makes disciples. At the end of the day, as followers of Jesus, that is the life that we are called to. To be disciples, pick up your cross, follow him daily, and in your world and in your sphere of influence and where God has placed and planted you to, to, to be a light that shines in a way that gives you opportunity to share your faith and make disciples wherever you go. That is what we are called to. So last week we talked about uh, being a disciple. Today, Matthew chapter 28, to get us started again, beginning in verse number 18, Jesus came and he told his disciples, he's speaking to his disciples then, but through his word inspired and written down by men for us today, he's speaking to his disciples today as well. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Somebody say, therefore go. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done already in this service. We thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do as well. We, we, we consecrate this time. We set this time aside and, and give you access, give you control. And Lord, I just ask that as, my, as, as I speak, as I open my mouth, I pray that, that they would not be my words, but your words. Lord, that as your word goes forth and as your word is planted in the hearts of your people, I pray that it would produce fruit, that it would encourage, that it would correct, that it would rebuke, that it would spur on. Lord, that we would be those disciples that you have called us and created us to be, making a difference, shining like a, a city on top of a hill. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever been misunderstood? In 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 more specifically, have you ever have you ever in communication? Because how many of you know communication is difficult? Communication is hard. Have you ever traveled somewhere where they even regionally might be speaking the same language as you, but the accent that they speak with? is totally different and it makes it sound like it's a foreign language. Have you ever, have you ever traveled to the, to the deep south? You ever been down around Baton Rouge and Homa, Louisiana? You ever watch uh, Swamp People on, on TV and you see those guys out there hunt out? There's a reason they have to put subtitles. <laughs> and the reason they put subtitles is not that they're not speaking English. But it's that even in that English, you can't understand a word that is coming out of their mouth. It's like, it's like Chris Tucker in Rush Hour <laughs> to Jackie Chan, right? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, how many of you guys have seen that movie? You're looking at me right now like you don't even know what I'm talking about. Like, you're not understanding the words coming out of my mouth. Communication is difficult. Communication is hard. And sometimes when, when you're in, in communication, you might hear something one way and it's not what was being said. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And you just have this look on your face like, what are you even talking about? 
Like, what did you just say? I remember last summer as a family, we went downtown and, and we went downtown for, for a College World Series game, me, Angel, and the kids. And it, it started raining that day, as typically tends to happen the second week of June when the College World Series is here. But it starts raining, so the game gets postponed. And so we, we run down the street to DJ's dugout. We run in to get out of the rain, to get a bite to eat. And we're, we're sitting there and at DJ's dugout, there's TVs all over on every, every wall and there's different different sports and different events and different things going on. And even just like the most random sporting, I don't even call it a sporting event. Like they got the cornhole world championships on and they got horseshoes on. And it's like, is that a sport hobby? I don't really understand. But we're sitting there watching and, 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 and eating our food and, and me and Angel over here, Jewel and the kids are on the other side of the table. And, and at one point during the meal, Jewel looks up and she's been watching the TV and she's been watching this tennis match. And, and, and oh, I was bowling. She was watching bowling. And, and so we're sitting there and Jewel, my little princess, who, who right now is 10 years old at the time, probably eight or nine. And, and she's sitting there and, and she just looks up and she goes, stupid ads. Now, before you decide to leave the church, just hold on. Like, me and Angel did what most of you have probably done at some point in your parenting. Looked at each other like, oh, what did you just... You know, kids, like, sometimes they say things and don't really know what they're saying, or sometimes they hear things and they use it in the right context. And I got another story. I'm not going to share that one, but <laughs> like contextually, you're, you're spot on, but don't ever say that again. But we're sitting, we're sitting there, right? All you parents know what I'm talking about. We're sitting there at this meal and Jewel goes, stupid ads. And, and we looked at each other and said, Jewel, what did you just say? And she said, stupid ads. And we're like, Jewel, don't make me wash your mouth out with soap. You can't say, Jewel, that's, you don't say that. And she's looking at us now so confused. Because we're confused and now she's confused. And, and, and you know, it's loud in there. There's TVs on. There's people moving around. And, and it's like, Jewel, what did you say? She said, stupid ads. And I was looking at Angel like, what is she, where did she get, where did you hear that word? Who is telling you this? What did your mom, did you overhear your mom talking to somebody? What is going on? And she said, no, she said, dad, I was, I'm watching bowling and I was waiting to see who was going to win this bowling match. And this ad came on TV and I said, stupid ads. I'm like, the angel. I said, I forgive you. Because I thought my wife had corrupted my daughter. But she was, we thought, you know what we thought she was saying. <laughs> but she was just trying to watch bowling. And this commercial came on and her response, rightfully so, was stupid ads. <laughs> And we heard it, and there was this miscommunication that took place where she said something, and we heard something different, and because of that, there was this disconnect. When we look at Matthew chapter 28, in our Bibles, it's, it's headed as the Great Commission. And I think in the, the Western church today, 
It has not been the great commission, but it's been the great omission. And I think the reason why it's been the great omission is because of the great disconnect in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives between what God is saying to his disciples and what we hear. And so when, when God says, go and make disciples of all nations, there's this disconnect between what he's saying and what we're, what we're hearing. Last week, we talked about being a disciple and characteristics of disciples. There's commitment, love, obedience, and fruitfulness. This week, I want us to look at making disciples, and I want to talk about evangelism. I want to talk about evangelism and, and, and making disciples. And, and the reason why I know there's this disconnect is because of the church's attitude and response to the Great Commission. Barna just last year had done a study on, on evangelism, had done a study on the church and the unchurched and released their findings. And, and I want to share some of that with you today because I think it, it it definitely opened my eyes a little bit, and, and I think it'll open yours. But the first, the first slide, go ahead and put that first slide up there. Now, the reason I know that there's a disconnect is when you look at the, that first set, nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say that it is wrong to evangelize. 47% of millennial Christians say that it's wrong to evangelize, but you go down from there at the same time, 65% of them believe that being a witness is part of their faith. Now that leads me to believe that there has been some incorrect teaching as it comes to witnessing and evangelism in the Great Commission, because they believe that this is part of my faith, but it's just wrong to do it. Two in five practicing Christians, 38%, almost 40%, say they have no non-Christian friends or family members. More than half report having two or fewer conversations about faith with a non-Christian during the past year. 56% of practicing Christians did not have more than two conversations with a non-Christian about faith last year. When Jesus says, therefore go, and make disciples. 56% said, nah, we're comfortable. We're good. Go and put the next slide. Go and put that next slide up there. Now, this is in response. Maybe, maybe you're like, maybe, well, it's just the millennials. They, maybe it's just the, the, the young kids. Here's, here's what's interesting. They asked them, is it wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they one day will share the same faith? 47% of millennials said no, but 27% of Gen Xers said no. And 20% of baby boomers said that that's wrong. So it's not just a generational problem. One in five baby boomers said it's wrong to share your faith with somebody of a different faith in hopes that you will share faith one day. The second question, if someone disagrees with you, it means that they're judging you. 40% of millennials said yes. If someone disagrees, it means that they're judging. 22% of Gen Xers, 10% of boomers, and 10% of those that are older than that. If someone disagrees with me, it means that they're judging me. It's wrong for me to share my faith. I think, I think that speaks to 
really the state of our, our society and where we find ourselves. We've, we, we've lost the ability to have healthy communication and conversation and discourse. They asked people, they said, you know, having normal, just, just normal everyday conversations. They, 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 they asked them, would it be hard for you to have a normal conversation with a person that is, that is a Muslim? Non-Christians, 50% of them said, yeah, that would be difficult. Evangelical Christians, 87% of evangelical Christians said it would be hard for me to have a normal conversation. Not about faith, just a normal conversation with a Muslim. What about atheists? Non-Christians said about 58% it would be hard to have a normal conversation with atheists. Evangelicals, 88% said it would be hard to have a normal conversation with an atheist. Here's what's interesting. They said, what about having conversation with an evangelical? Non-Christians, it was like 52% said it would be hard to have a conversation with evangelicals. When they asked evangelicals how hard it would be to have a normal conversation with evangelicals, what do you think that percentage was at? 28%. That means a quarter of us in this room would have a hard time having a normal conversation with, with anybody in this room. We're called to go and make disciples and we can't even have conversation amongst ourselves. (laughs) And you wonder why for the last two years we've been teaching you emotional intelligence and how to have healthy relationship. If we can't talk to ourselves, no wonder we're not out there talking to others. There's this disconnect when it comes to evangelism between what God has told us to do and what we're actually doing. Now, I want to define evangelism before we move on. Evangelism is simply defined as the spreading of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ by public preaching or personal witness. That's evangelism. I don't think that any of us in this... In light of the statistics, I would hope that none of us in this room would say that's wrong. Right? Like, like the spreading of the good news, there's good news about Jesus. And the good news is this, that we are all sinners who have been been disconnected from our heavenly father. And Jesus, as God, came as man, was the perfect God-man, living a perfect life, the only one that could redeem, and, and was the bridge between humanity and God, and gave up his life so that by his blood, you could be redeemed. That is good news, that you deserve death, but Jesus took upon him that death, and through him and his finished work, you have new life now and eternal life later. What is, the, what, what is wrong about telling people that they're lost, that they're hurting, that we see them, but we have the answer? If I had the cure for cancer, I wouldn't be afraid of telling people that. If I had the answer to your deepest concern, I wouldn't hesitate in telling you that. And yet here we are as Christians and 40% of us say that it's wrong to give the world the answer to what they're looking for. It's the great disconnect. Simply evangelism is simply sharing the gospel. It's communicating with word and action the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called 
to do. I want to give you a, a couple of things if you're taking notes today. I would encourage you to write these down. First thing I want you to understand is that evangelism is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not the great suggestion. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, if you have time, therefore, if you can, if you can carve out time in your week, I know, I know you guys are busy and you're about to be busy spreading, you know, building this whole church thing and people are going to be hunting you down. You're going to be running for your lives and a lot of you are going to die graphic and brutal deaths. But, you know, it, between now and then, if you, if you find five spare minutes, think about making disciples. He said, therefore, go, because it is a command. And where did he tell them to go? Acts chapter 1, Jesus is getting ready to ascend. And here's what he says, you'll receive power. Pastor Doby referenced this verse earlier. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He gives them a geographical mandate for this, this call and this command that he's given them. You'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be witnesses in Judea and Samaria. You'll be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, as you, as you study sociology, as you look at sociology, they, 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 they've developed what they call human geography. And in, in human geography, what that is, is they're studying how we as human beings engage and interact with our communities and our, our workplaces. Where are those spaces that we engage? And what they've found is there's three spaces that we as humans in, humans in engage either relationally or economically in our, in, in our culture, in civilization. And, and they've said the first space is the home. So you have three spaces. Your first space is your home space. It's where you spend the majority of your time and it's where you have your most intimate connections. And in this space, the people who share this space with you, you have a common bond. Jesus says, Jerusalem, you live in Jerusalem. Your first space is your home. Second space is the workplace. If you're a student here, then that would be your school. The people in your second space, you share a common purpose. You work for the same company. You're trying to achieve the same, the same thing. You're going in the same way. You go to school. Our purpose is to graduate. Come on, somebody. You have people in your first space. You have people in your second space. And you have people in your third space. Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, that was that region right there that they were in, and then to the ends of the earth. And those are the peripheral relationships that you have. So in the first space, it's a common bond. The second space is a common purpose. And the third space is common interests. It's the people that you run into at the coffee shop that you go to every morning before work. It's the barista who knows your name and you know their name. It's the, the parents on your kid's sports team. It's the book club that you're in. It's the gym that you go to. Whatever those third spaces that you, you engage and interact with, you are called to be intentional. Jesus gave them geographically your first space, your second space, and your third space. And it took a thousand years for sociology to, 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 to catch up. But as humans, we have three spaces and we need to make disciples in our first space. Come on. Some of us are trying to make disciples before being disciples. That's why we started last week with what does a disciple look like? We're wondering why people are leaving the faith and, 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 and deconstructing and walking away from the church at staggering numbers. 
We want to blame culture and we want to blame society. And, you know, society is just so hostile to the gospel. And in some ways and in a lot of ways, yes, you're right, it is. But those people in our first space, the reason why we're seeing generations of, of young people walk away is because we didn't take time being intentional in our first spaces to be disciples who made disciples of our children. There's another slide I want to put up. Go and put that next, that next slide up there. Look at this. Among U.S. adults who don't practice Christianity today, two-thirds of them were raised in a Christian family. Half of atheists, agnostics, and nuns. There's this new, this new subset in response to spirituality. Are you atheist? It used to just be atheists. And then it was atheists and agnostics. Atheists say, I don't believe that there is. Agnostic says, I don't really know. None says, none of your business. I don't, I don't even care. I don't even, I don't even, like, it's not even a thought in my head. Half of them were raised in a Christian family. And all, nearly all lapsed Christians, so those who came to faith and have since walked away from the faith, 97% of once Christians, but now not Christians, were raised in a Christian family. So only 3% of people who came to know Christ at a later point in their life, only 3% of, of the, the lapsed Christian population in our country came to know Jesus later and then decided maybe this isn't for me. 97% of those grew up sitting in rooms like this. And we want to blame the world. We want to blame culture. We want to blame society. And, and, and yes, that's there. And the temptation is there. And the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is real. But if we were more intentional, I think what happened is, is we did a very good job teaching, teaching kids what to think and what to believe. But we didn't teach them how to think or why they believe it. And so kids grew up being taught, this is what we believe. This is what we do. This is where we go. Why? Because I said. And didn't equip them to search God's word for themselves. Didn't equip them to have relationship with Jesus for themselves. Didn't equip them, give them the tools or the resources. We just assumed that because what we told them was, this is what? That when they get old and to the point where they can make their own decisions, they would agree the same, to the same thing. But, but then they get, they get questioned and then they start thinking and it's like, well, I don't really know why. And I've never been taught how to think for myself and come to that conclusion. So yeah, maybe, maybe it was wrong. We're so quick to blame the world for all these things. So quick to, you know, church has lost its influence. I don't... I don't know so much that it's that the church has lost its influence. I think more than anything, what we see in culture today is the result of the church's influence. I think in the last couple of years, you know, we, we look at things like cancel culture and you got to be careful because you say the, say the wrong thing. They're going to cancel you. They're going to remove you off the, you know, off TV. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to retaliate if you say the wrong thing or if you say something that they don't agree with. It's like, how dare the world cancel people? You know who started that? <laughs> the church. 
We get so mad at cancel culture, but it's the influence of what we did for so long. We're going to burn CDs, and we're going to burn tapes, and this, we're, we're, we're going to do this, and Harry Potter, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to read Harry Potter, and you're not going to watch this cartoon, right? And I'm not saying that, that you should have allowed your children to, to do those things. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is rather than just getting up and canceling, you should have been doing is, is teaching your kids why this is wrong and the result of what happens if you walk down and if you listen and if you fill your mind with and if you, if you look at it and if you fill your heart with this stuff, rather than just saying, don't do it because we said so, what about equipping them to know why so that when they get out there and make their own decisions, now they're empowered to live the life that they've been called to live and they're founded in God's word and can stand on the foundation in their own lives. Like as the church, we, we throw stones at the world, but I think a lot of what we see is a result of the influence that we've had in our culture. And when they've taken it and twisted it and got it to the point where it is now, it's like, I don't even recognize it anymore. So it's just, it's them. No, it's us. It's us. So when Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, huh? What does that look like? How do I do that? Listen, I I hear you. And and a lot of what we're going to be doing coming up in the next few months and, and all of Converge is going to be about equipping you so that you know and you can have conversation, you can ask questions, and you can, you can live the life and, and walk out what Jesus has, has told you to walk out. As much as I want to, like, hammer in that first space, like, some of you, it's not your first space or your second space. Some of you need to get intentional in your third space. How many, what, what percentage, two out of five, it said, Christians have no non-Christian friends? The reason you haven't been making disciples is because you're not around hurting people. Because you don't take interest in people who, who don't believe what you believe. Who is in your life? I asked you last week to be praying during this fast. God, give me the name of one person that I know. Some of you, that's been a struggle because it's like, I don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus. How can you accomplish the Great Commission by living in your own little Christian bubble? Like, do you know somebody that needs to experience the hope that you found in Jesus? If not, then what you need to do is you need to be intentional relationally in those third spaces. Join a gym with the purpose of creating relationship with one person that by my words and my actions, I can share the good news of Jesus Christ and believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna draw them and begin to soften their hearts. And when the time is right, he'll give me the words to say. Me and Angel laugh because the, the gym that we go to, every now and then my boys will go with me and they always give me a hard time because when we leave the gym, Jay says, Dad, you're like the mayor of the gym. Like everybody knows you. You know everybody's name. Like we can't walk from one machine to another without somebody saying, hey, John, how's it going this morning? Why? Because it's intentional relationship in those spaces. Not that I'm standing up on a bench between sets saying you're all sinners and you're going to hell and you need to repent for the time is near. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm engaging with them relationally and getting to know them for who they are 
and where they're at and what they're going through. That's why when I walk into the gym and a, a man comes up to me and says, hey, do you have time to talk? And we start walking around the track. We walk for the next 45 minutes as he begins to tell me how his, his marriage is on the rocks and, and he just found things out and he's struggling and he doesn't know what to do. It's not because I got up there and said, I'm a pastor, everybody. And if anyone has any questions, then you all know who to come to. It's because I invested relationally in them so they know, hey, here's somebody that cares about me. Do you live your life that way? Are you going into your second and your third spaces intentional with that on the forefront of your mind? And I'm not saying that I'm perfect or that I get it right or anything. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But what I can tell you is the name of the person on my lock is somebody from my third space. The individual that God has put on my heart Somebody that I see five times a week. Somebody that I talk to every day. And it's somebody that I know doesn't know Jesus. And my prayer is, God, through the, 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 the relationship that's been built and the seeds that have been planted, Holy Spirit, would you, would you do a work in their heart? And would you empower me to do what you've called me to do? And by faith, I'm believing. And by the end of the year, I'm going to be able to walk that man into this building. I'm going to be able to take that lock and walk up to that fence and take that lock off because he's come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. First space, second space, third space. What are we doing? Listen, the, the, the breakouts that converge this week on Saturday, why Saturday is so important is because these are the three breakouts we're doing. How do I be a disciple in my first space? Pastor Carrie Erickson from Mercy City. She's been here before. She's incredible. How, how do I be intentional? How do I, how do I reach my second space? Jim Slauson from Love Church, an incredible man with incredible story. Want to encourage you to be there. And then how do I, how do I live with intentionality in my third space? Pastor Andy Kalp from Bellevue Christian Center is going to be with us for that breakout. That's why Saturday is so important. That's why I'm saying do everything that you can because we want to equip you so that this isn't just something that you hear and you leave and it's like, oh man, I wish I knew how to do that better. We want to give you the tools and the resources to help you do that. I got to move on because I'm running out of time. My gosh. Second point if you're taking notes. Evangelism isn't complicated. I think part of the disconnect is that we make it overcomplicate. We overcomplicate it. We, we think we need a doctorate in biblical studies in order to share our faith. We need to have the answer to every question that could potentially be posed, but simply that's, that's not the case. Acts chapter 4, I love it. Peter and John are witnessing. They get arrested. They're standing there before the religious leaders and the, and the lawyers of the day. And the Bible says that the, the, the religious people, the pastors, the teachers, the lawyers, they, they, they took note that these young men were unschooled and untrained in ordinary men. I love that because how many unschooled and untrained and ordinary people are in here today? All of us, unless you all went to, got your, got your doctorate of divinity somewhere like I, we're all that. And if God could use them, God can use us. And, and they stand there and they say, you know, we can't help but share all the things that we've seen and all the things that we've heard. And it's not it's not, it's not having the answer to every question. It's simply, this is my experience, and this is what I know to be true because I've lived it. 
Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go down this way. And as he's walking down that way, there's a, a carriage driving down the road and it's the, 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 the treasurer of Ethiopia and he walks along the carriage. The Bible says the Holy Spirit told Philip, go walk beside the carriage. He ran over, he hears the man reading from the, the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and Philip asks him, Philip just asked a question, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And then he invites invites Philip up into his carriage. He rides with him for a period of time. And then the man says, stop, there's some water. I want to be baptized. That's what it was. Hey, go be, go be next to this person. Go walk alongside this person. Encourage them. And when the time comes where they ask you a question, answer it to the best that you know. But trust the work of the Holy Spirit, not just in your heart, but in their heart as well. And the man came to his own. Philip didn't say to stop the carriage. Philip didn't say, stop everything before we continue this conversation. You must be baptized. Philip simply answered. He asked questions. He engaged conversationally. And as the Holy Spirit worked in the heart of this man, the gospel and the good news of Jesus was taken to Ethiopia. It's interesting because... I think we, we have this, this idea that the world is so, so turned off and they don't even want to hear what I have to say and I don't have all of the answers. Therefore, I'm not qualified. And Barna, part of their study, what they did is they asked the unchurched, what are you looking for in, in somebody to be able to have these conversations with? Would you be open to having conversations about Christianity and spirituality? And if so, what do you look for? And I think if we were to answer that question for the world, we would think that they want to have the answers to all of their questions and somebody who really knows what they're talking about, but that's not what they say. Go ahead and put that next slide up there. Is there one before that? There we go. That's the one I want. So someone I would talk to about faith in orange. What, what are you looking for in these conversations? Who is somebody that you would talk to? The number one thing that the, 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 the unchurched people said, here's what I'm looking for in somebody that I would have a conversation about Christianity with, somebody who listens without judgment. Somebody who just listens. Number two, somebody who doesn't force me to a conclusion the first time we talk. Who doesn't get to the end of it and say, okay, what are you going to do about it? Say the sinner's prayer right now. Number three, allows me to draw my own conclusions. And then number four, they're confident in what they know. They're confident in their own perspective. That's what they're looking for. Go to the next one, the one you put up first. How do you want to engage? 41% said one-on-one. -on -one. Next was as, a, as an attender of a, of a service. So we, we have in our mind that this is what they're looking for when really what they're looking for is you just to have an ear, to listen, don't judge, hear them out, be open to ongoing conversation, don't force them to come to a conclusion that day, right there on the spot, but engage with them over, over time, one-on-one, -on -one, conversationally. You know what one-on-one -on -one requires? One-on-one -on -one requires relationship. The reason why understanding our first space, second space, third space, and the common bond and the common purpose and the common interest is so important is because as Christians for so long, we've evangelized by confrontation. If we, we, we've wanted to share Jesus based on what we disagree with, 
versus recognizing that all of those people in those spaces, there is commonalities that we have with all of them. And so let us stand on that and engage relationally from there. As you go out, don't look for confrontation, but look for connection. What do we share? What can we, what can we agree on? And then the third thing, and then we'll be done, is understanding that the harvest is right. John chapter four, Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well. Many of us know that story and she leaves that time with Jesus and she goes back to the village and says, come here, a man who told me everything I ever did. And the villagers start pouring out and Jesus takes time and he looks at his disciples and he says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. And when Jesus said, wake up and look around, it's not because they were standing in a field of grain. It's not because they were standing in a vineyard. But as you understand contextually, the people from the village were coming out and the disciples are there and there's people coming towards them. When Jesus says, wake up and look around, he was drawing their attention to the people who were hurting around them, who needed what they had. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to look around because the harvest is ready. Matthew chapter nine. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers. For centuries, Christians have been praying, God, send the workers. For generations, we've been praying, God, send the workers. Did you know that you are an answer to this prayer? That the answer to the prayer, send the workers, is you. And it's me. But we have to wake up and we have to look around. They don't want to hear what I have to say. Here's what's interesting. Go and put that last slide up and then we'll be done. The question was, I'm interested in learning more about Christianity and what it could mean for my life. 22% of all non-Christians said, yeah, that's me. One out of every five said, I'm interested in learning about what Christianity could mean for me, about how it could impact my life. We get so stuck in the fear of rejection and they don't, they don't wanna hear it and they won't listen. One out of five said, I want that. I need that, I'd be open to that, I'd be interested and that how many opportunities are we shutting down in our life simply because we're afraid they're gonna reject us. We're afraid that they're going to say no. We're, we're, we're fine living in our comfort zone and our comfortable places rather than going and being disciples in our first space and shining our light in our second space and having our eyes open and being intentional in our third spaces. How many people do you rub shoulders with every day that need what you have, that need to hear the good news of Jesus? So the question that we ask is, what are we gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it? Who's your person? Who's the one that God's putting on your heart? Whose name are you writing on a lock next week? Next week, next Sunday after service, we're gonna go out and each of you are gonna get a key lock you're going to take a Sharpie and you're going to write the name of that person. 
You're going to put it on that fence, and every time you come in, it's going to be a reminder of what God has called you to this year, the life that he's called you to live and the witness he's called you to be. But what would happen? What would look different in your life if you did that? What would look different in our city if we all did that? 400,000 people in the Omaha metro area are unchurched. Harvest is ripe. God, send some workers. And my prayer that is, is that this year we would be those workers. We would take notice, go out into the harvest, trusting in the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be disciples who make disciples. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I don't know if I went long or Pastor Doby just took up all my time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This morning, if you're here and you haven't, you haven't received and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved, that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and Jesus is who he said he was, what his word says he is, that your name would be written into the book of life, that you would have new life now and eternal life forever. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not anything that we do. It's not any, any magical prayer that we pray. It's simply by us having a change of heart, repenting of our sins and saying, Jesus, I accept you. Thank you for being my savior. And would you lead me as the Lord of my life? And as you submit your life to him and surrender to him, he fills you with his spirit and enables you to, to take off that old self and put on the new self. This morning, if that's you, it's, it's not a prayer that you pray, but it's a decision that you make in your heart and it's what you confess with your mouth. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that as we, we look at your word, your, your, your plan for us was not just salvation. Because if the end game was us getting saved, that every time one of us confessed faith in you, we would be immediately Star Trek transported, beamed up to heaven. And that would be the end of it. Mission accomplished. But Lord, the reason why you leave us here and the reason why the, the church is the hope of the world is so that we can then go as those workers in the harvest field. To be those whose good deeds shine so that the Father would receive glory to be those mouthpieces and those ambassadors of your kingdom, letting our world know that there's a better way. You don't have to live according to fear, but there is power to be found and there is a sound mind to receive. Lord, as we go forth this week, help us to be disciples in our first space. Help us to reach into our second space and help us to be intentional in our third space. Lord, for those that maybe you Maybe are still, still asking you, who's that person? What's that name? Lord, I pray that you would speak to them this week. That you would drop that name in their heart, in their spirit as they're alone with you this week. And we thank you by faith that as you empower them, as you equip them, we know that you've called them. They do, as they, they step out by faith, engaging relationally, 
the opportunity is going to come that the Holy Spirit is going to do the work. Lord, by faith, I thank you for those locks that are not just going up, but that are coming down as well. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Love you guys. Have a great week. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.